Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is the final chapter, the final position of the Summer Scouting Series. We've got the safety position, the safety class for the 2023 NFL Draft. We're going to give you guys our top fives, going from five all the way down to number one. We're going to talk about what we've seen on tape from these guys already, what we want to see from them in the 2022 college football season, Shoot, what could make these guys top 100 picks, top 50 picks, maybe even some first rounders in there as well. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Thursday edition of the podcast, which means it is a summer scouting edition. But Connor, it's the last one, my friend. This is it. This is the final ride for summer scouting. Today, we are going after the safety position, giving you our top fives for the preseason 2023 NFL draft going into college football and the NFL season's. Buddy, we made it to the end here. It feels bittersweet because I am excited to get to the big board, but no more summer scouting after this. Then we get to the real thing. Bittersweet's a good way to put it. The I will miss doing this because I I don't know if it felt this way for you. I'm sure it did. It started to become one of the rare staples of my summer schedule. Summer, yeah. for anybody that works in football, things oh, yeah. are different. There's no actual football going on. Um, there's not, you're not react, you're not working weekends like you usually are. All those things working is, is a hilarious way to put it. But in all seriousness, <laughs> Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesday mornings were a, a ton of tape time on next year's draft class. And I think you, me, maybe a handful of people in the industry are doing, like, there's not a lot of people doing that. So it was a unique experience, uh, really unique experience. I, I know you. it was the same for you, Trev, that you got introduced to so many players in next year's class or were expecting them to be in next year's class that are really, really exciting. And I will say this for today's show, this was a good group to finish with. There's a lot of talent in this group. Yep. I know we've been riding the roller coaster. Some groups have been underwhelming. Some groups are just developmental players at the moment. This group has a lot of talent. So uh, I am excited to do our last position group because then we get to the real fun of it, and that's making the big board. Yeah, I mean, there's ups and downs with every single draft class, but it is go- It is fun to end on a high note. There have been a couple of years where I get to safeties at the very end, and, and it's just like, oh, boy, do I got to I gotta watch these guys? But that wasn't the case this year. I, we had a couple of guys that I was really excited to get to, and then, uh, honestly, two other players who I was really excited and, and and really refreshed to see some of their highlights that we get to talk about today. So excited for that. Excited for the big board uh, before we get into it. Cause we also have some preseason takes. I want to give you guys some preseason takes because we have not done that a ton yet this off season. Uh, I mean, when you just have two episodes a week, it's kind of hard because we're trying to give you guys exactly what we, what we want in every episode, but we're going to talk a little bit about some preseason performances, some rookies, and some guys who are playing really well. We want to give shout-outs to who we're looking forward to seeing the rest of uh, training camp and, and how they're going to perform. But before we get to that, got to read everybody's favorite ad read. Gentlemen, talking to the gentlemen out there, all men, they strive for gold in their life, right? That's the standard. Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, I'm telling you that there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile beyond that standard. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger. He is a, listen to these adjectives, big, hairless, winning machine, all things that, of course, everybody wants to be. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. 
Platinum. That's right. We are raising the bar here with Manscaped, and they would like to introduce to you their biggest and best ultimate hygiene package yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in the below-the-waist grooming. Now you can trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off and free shipping if you use the promo code NFLSE. If you've been listening to the podcast the whole summer, you know that the promo code used to be PFF. Now it's NFLSE, so now it actually helps this podcast the most. If you guys were ever on the fence about ordering it, please do so now. Use our promo code. That'd really help us out. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on all of Manscaped's top products. 20% off and free shipping using the promo code NFLSE over at manscaped.com. It's time that you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Connor, which teams hit the platinum package in the 2022 NFL draft with some early rookie performances? Who do you want to shout out here first? How about the big uglies, right? That new tackle duo in Seattle. I watched. Uh, yes. Yeah, I watched yes. Seattle's coaching film. I tried to get through as much of the coaching film for the rookies that I could. And man, not just Charles Cross, who we obviously loved. And he had one run blocking play that I, I screen grabbed. Um, that was a, a wipeout block. But Abe Lucas, a guy that I really didn't love. I, I thought he had a lot of questions. I thought. It was all there. The athleticism, the body, it was all there that with the right coaching, he could be a starter at the next level. But it felt like he had a lot of, you know, holes in his game. And he had a great debut, Trevor. Really, what stood out to me was how nasty he was as a run blocker, because I know what kind of athlete he is and the skills he possessed as a pass protector. So he looked stronger to me. It looked like he took his weight room work very seriously since the draft process and uh, watching Seattle, a team that is going to run, run, and then run some more, whether it's Drew Locke, Geno Smith, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I know Kenneth Walker, unfortunately, uh, underwent surgery on the day we are recording this podcast, so we'll see when he is back. But Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, Seattle's been one of those franchises for a while that they've never been able to put an entire unit together on that offensive line. It's a great start for those two guys, the bookends and tackles. Yeah, played really well, man. I'm, I, I was really surprised by how well Gabe Lucas, or Abraham Lucas, sorry, uh, played in this game, especially in the run blocking portion of it. You mentioned it. He's coming from a Pac-12 style of offensive yeah. line in which we have seen guys just not have that physical profile to really translate to the NFL. Lucas did a great job. The, the debut was fantastic. Obviously, there's a long way to go. You got to certainly do it in the regular season, but it was awesome to see them be able to shine as an offensive tackle duo to think that the Seattle Seahawks, a team that desperately needed offensive line upgrades, may have two uh, that they might be able to get there. 52 a... snaps, Trevor, he played at right tackle. That's a big workload for week no, one it in is. preseason. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Look, I would I, – I wouldn't be me if I didn't bring up George. He's Pickens. doing it. <laughs> I, I, would, I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't bring up George Pickens. I'm taking the victory lap. I'm counting it. The scouting win is already in the books. Uh, but, no, seriously, George Pickens has been awesome throughout this preseason. You know, uh, you look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers have been dealing with, with their quarterback position. Okay, who's starting at quarterback? Who's going to be the backup? What is going to be the order between Mason Rudolph, Mitchell Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett? reasons for all of them to have hope that they're going to be the guy there in Pittsburgh with Rudolph having the experience. Can he pick it being a first round pick Mitch Trubisky uh, coming off a really nice year as a backup with the Buffalo bills. It looks like it's going to be Trubisky, but Connor, no matter who is playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
they're going to lean on George Pickens. I yeah. mean, th- there is no easing into this process. This guy's going to get targets. He's going to get catches. He's going to get yards. He's going to get touchdowns. When he was a true freshman at Georgia, George Pickens stepped on the field as an 18-year-old right out of high school and led the Bulldogs in receiving yards. He is showing that kind of ability to step on the field at an even better level of competition and hold his own, look like he belongs. And like everybody who listened to this podcast knows how big of a fan I am of George Pickens. And to see this right away, for him to really be able to take hold, show off those wide receiver one traits, it's freaking awesome. I love to see it. And I hope it's just the beginning for George Pickens because this is going to be a fun, talented player to watch. It's got to be funny for you. I go through. I find myself going through this, and I, I never talk about it. And I know you don't either. Or we don't interject on Twitter, but we go through the draft process, and there's always a handful of players that you really love, and they're not first round players. They're they're players that are overlooked for various reasons. And then you get to this time of year, and I'm not. I don't blame anyone. It's just the timeline of people's jobs. The fantasy community is holding them up like the Lion King. And you're just watching it all happen. And you're like, you sit there and some people sit there and smile. Some people sit there and like the angry meme and they're like, I was first. And like, none of that really matters. It's just funny when you watch that player that you saw as a college player that was overlooked. And Pickens was a big name, but you really uh, stood on the table for him with, you know, people questioning the lack of tape, whether it was the injuries or all those things. I know he was somebody you loved, somebody that I loved. Uh, in the same mold, I guess, was Danny Gray, who, you know what, Danny Gray, to me, I, I look at a, a dude from Dallas that was a track superstar in high school that made explosive play after explosive play for SMU. On top of that, there was a lot of plays left on the field for the quarterback could not get him the ball. We know this guy can run like the wind. Then he goes to the Niners, yes. an offense that finds a way to get the ball in guys' hands and let them do what they do after the catch. Danny Gray looked good, Trev, and he looked good with Trey Lance. That's what you like. He had the big touchdown catch from Trey Lance. He had. I was going to say that was that was Danny Gray, right, on the big touchdown. That was Danny Gray, um, and he had another big catch, I believe, with the second unit. So, listen, they're a little busy. That team, Ayuk's had a good summer. We know Debo is Debo Kittle, but Danny Gray's speed is going to play in that offense. And I don't know if it's as a rookie, but seeing it in Week One of the preseason. It just goes to show you how much speed plays at the NFL level. And a guy like that that went to the right offense for him, he was drafted late, so there's not these kinds of expectations. I felt like you with Pickens when I saw Danny Gray make that touchdown catch. So I, I the next guy that I want to shout out is, is Christian Fulton, and he's not a rookie. He was drafted in the 2020 NFL draft. But I liked Christian Fulton a lot. Cornerback coming out of LSU. Now he's with the Tennessee Titans. And I... I really do. I feel like this is going to be a huge year for him. I feel like he is going to take that CB1 title in Tennessee, and he is just going to make it his own. I'm watching clips of the Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in joint practices this week as we are recording this episode. And Fulton is is locking dudes down. I mean, and, and he looks fantastic doing it. He looks so confident out there. And I always felt like he had the, the ability to be a shutdown man coverage kind of a corner. And I feel like now we are really starting to see it. Sometimes it takes time for corners. And I feel like, oh, yeah, Fulton, a lot of time. Certainly, if he has a really good year this year, which I hope he does, he will be a another example of the fact that you can't just judge these guys immediately, especially for the positions that are difficult to adjust to and i would i would argue corner is one of the most difficult positions to adjust 
college to the pro level. There's so much being thrown at you. There's so much that you've got to adjust to. There's so much that you've got to elevate your game with because when you were playing corner and you were guarding somebody else, the smallest false move gets you burned. Let's up a reception, let's up yards, could let let up scores. And then everybody just points to those things. You put on highlight reels so they just get played over and over and over again. It can mess with your head. It can mess with your confidence, all that kind of stuff. I'd love to see Christian Fulton continue this. It seems like it's a great training camp for him. I really hope that he takes full control of that CB1 label in, in Tennessee. So I just wanted to give him a shout out because I'm watching some awesome clips of a guy who I know a lot of people had some high hopes for. Yeah, I certainly did. I kind of forgot about him, to be honest with you. Until you, you do forget about players quickly because you move on to the next draft class and then the rookie class, and then the class you did a year ago is kind of out the brain, at least in our processes. So I'm glad you got a guy like that in that we're expecting some big things from in, in your number two. My last one, uh, I'll do one uh, from each team in Jets-Eagles. Cam Jurgens looked phenomenal playing center for the Eagles with the backups. His athleticism... His ability to get out in front on screens, on outside runs, down the field, climbing to linebackers, he looked really, really good. And, and I, I know – go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I'm glad that you brought him up because if you remember, he was the guy who was blocking Jordan Davis on the highlight that everybody, ridiculous. that everybody kept sharing around camp and everybody was like, oh, guess Cam Jurgens can't hang in the NFL because he was a lighter guy. Remember, like that was oh, his whole yeah, scouting sub 300. Like, oh, is he too finesse to play in the NFL? And then Jordan Davis bull rushes him and people go like, oh, guess Cam Jurgens can't play. No, stop. Stop it. Stop. Have some context for the training camp clip. Come on. I'm glad you're shouting him out. All Bro, that, was, that was ridiculous. Everyone was like, oh, wow, this is a red flag on Cam Jurgens." I'm like, do you really think this? they're going to ask Cam Jurgens to do this a million times in tweet. a game? It's not what the Eagles... The Eagles, listen, FBR did the draft Jason with Jason Kelsey. And Jason Kelsey, because we thought when they picked Jurgens, he'd be like, you know, who knows what he'd be like. And he right. was so excited because right. it turns out he was part of the process of scouting him. And he was like, I want to help this dude be the next me. And they're built very sim, very sim, lighter centers, athletic centers, and Jurgens in a full game setting was as advertised. Um, on the Jets side of things, you know, obviously Sauce Gardner played like nine snaps and, and no targets came his way, so not much going there. Go but ahead. I thought Garrett Wilson looked really good, man. I, I thought Garrett nice. Wilson on his reps, he had a couple catches for 25 yards, but one time Zach Wilson missed them when he got open out of the slot. They're going to play him on the inside and outside. So Garrett Wilson looked really good. Uh, where it felt like a lot of the first-round wide receivers were very quiet in their debuts, while the later-round guys got a lot of shine, which was it's always interesting because of who they're playing against, but that was something that I, I did want to give a nod to. Last guy I'm going to shout out. Uh, again, it's not a rookie, but it's sort of a rookie because we got robbed of a full year for him last year, and that's J.C. Horn. I want to shout out J.C. Horn, man, because I think that this comeback Dude, year baller. for him is going to baller. be – awesome if we get a fully healthy year from jc horn he's going to remind you guys about why he was a top 10 pick he was picked over patrick sertan and i wouldn't have gone that far i would have picked patrick sertan over jc horn but it's close man these are two elite wide receivers from that 2021 or elite cornerbacks uh, from that 2021 class so i'm just i'm really looking forward to what he's going to put on tape this year that's another guy who i continue to read over and over again jc horn fantastic day today jc horn another interception on one-on-ones like all this kinds of stuff i hope that he snowballs that into a lot of confidence uh going into last year because we got robbed i gotta i gotta say we got robbed of what could have been a really nice rookie season from jc horn so uh wanted to give him the shout out as well before we get into 
our safeties, because we are going to talk safeties for most of this show, our top five preseason safeties for the 2023 NFL Draft. Got to talk to you about our friends over at DraftKings. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football. That's what it's called. Their first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. I know, I know, I know. That's a lot of that's a lot of buzzwords right there. But hold on, follow me. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. So playing Rainmaker is simple. You buy, you sell, you bid, and win player cards, NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops, auctions, and all that over at DraftKings Marketplace. So if you've ever played Madden Ultimate Team before, this is for you. It's like a real-life Madden Ultimate Team. You craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection, and you earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter for free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions. That's right, millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with the promo code PFF. Click the Rainmakers title and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season long while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. It's promo code PFF. Build, play, win. Only over at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs. You hold. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Kind of where we starting. I'm worried you're. What, I'm, what, worried what? you're I'm worried you're going to leave this show to become a professional ad voiceover person or like movies. I'm not going to leave the show, but if somebody wants to pay me a little quiche on the side, right, at least you'll it, fit it you know? into the schedule. There, there is a uh, some kind of business model that you can advertise your voice to do that. So no, somebody, I'm, I'm just playing up. agent here. That's what I do. Number five for me here. Give, on give me the, the give me on the prices preview. right first. Do the prices I, right one God. first, and then we'll get the. I I swear. Before I, when I stopped tweeting, I, I had a lead I had, and I'm not going to reveal it, but somebody did reach out to me that had a really good lead. I need to connect with them right after this show. I I thought I was really close. Like what? Early July. Yeah. I'm not kidding. That's why I stopped tweeting, and then I forgot. I gotta get uh, back in the game. I gotta my start mashed watching potatoes, the, summer brain. Gotta so, start watching the Price is Right tape. Gotta get back. Yeah, to yeah. It. You better grind the tape. <laughs> Number five for me, Brandon Joseph, the safety that will play for the Irish this year, but transferred from Northwestern. So when you're watching the tape, you're seeing him uh, with a lot of action for Northwestern. Six one one ninety six. Let's start with some of the good here. Moves and plays like a traditional roaming back end of the defense safety. I think a lot of the conversation on today's show, you are going to hear some guys that are going to live in the box. You're going to hear some guys that have only played in the slot. They've played unique roles in their defense. With Brandon Joseph, Trevor, I've seen him play traditional last line of defense roaming safety. And I've seen him do it in coverage at a high level. I think that... Uh, There's legit ball skills. I thought he has fluid hips, and he can track the ball. He can really get on his horse and backtrack and find the football down the field, whether it's interceptions or disrupting uh, players in contested catch scenarios. So I think when you're looking for a guy that's going to thrive, whether you're asking him to be probably a two-shell kind of guy that can run deep, he can do it. And I'm really excited to see the steps he can take with Marcus Freeman's program this year because – There are very important aspects of his game that he needs to work on, and that's why he's number five, not in the top three. 
right now, Trevor, he is a liability against the run as a tackler, as the last line of defense. And, and that scares me because, yes, it's something he can improve on, but he missed 17 tackles in the run game in 2021. So you go back and you watch those 17 missed tackles, right? And it's two things. Angles, which that's not good, number one. Yeah. Number two, just overall strength. He, he got trucked in the hole a lot. I don't know how else to say it. He got he got truck-sticked a lot. Where And it wasn't truck-sticked where it was like, I got ran over, but I got the guy down and he got three yards over me. It's truck sticked. I'm on the ground and he's he's going for a big he, he was liable for a lot of big gains. And sure, you'd love the front to make those plays. You'd like the linebackers to make those plays. But I noticed sometimes teams funneling the run towards him where he wasn't blocked and had to make a tackle. And a lot of times he didn't do it. So I it's I'm very conflicted on him because honestly, there aren't a lot of guys at this moment right now that show that traditional coverage fluidity and movement right. going deep like him in this safety class. But if you can't walk before you run, tackling, last line of defense, that's a little scary. So a huge thing I'm watching for him, if he cleans that up at Notre Dame this year, uh, he's going to be a, a you know easily a round three, round two kind of pick. But, but once again, there are some holes in his game that are, are very vital. Yeah, I was... Very curious to where you were going to have Joseph in your top five because you. I also have him at five. And wow. I thought I was, I, I thought, I thought I was, I was unique, right? I thought I was, I thought I was going to be low on it because every, everybody talks about Brandon Joseph, right? And I think the reason why they talk about All him the is time. They, they look at the ball production, right? Nine interceptions over the last two seasons. He had three last year and then he had six the year before. But if you go watch all those interceptions, about half of them are opportunistic, right? Tip it's passes. Kind of, it's yes. kind of tipped passes, right place, right time. Now, he is still putting himself in the area in which the ball sure. would be going, which I think is important. And we, when we talk about his strengths and weaknesses, the biggest strengths I have about Brandon Joseph's game are sees the field very, very well, also reads quarterback's eyes very well. So he's consistently around where the ball is going. But, Connor, I think he's a physically limited football player. I think you mentioned the strength there for tackling. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. He's he's definitely got to get stronger. And, and and sometimes he kind of goes in for arm tackles. And he just – some guys can bring players down with those arm tackles. They can get away with it. Joseph's definitely not that kind of a guy. He If he's not squaring you up between the shoulders – he, whoever the ball carrier is is probably breaking the tackle just because he doesn't bring a lot of strength to his game in that regard. The pursuit angles was the thing that shocked me the most about Same. his game because Same. he is so good at evaluating space when he is in coverage. But when it's, it's so funny because we're going to talk a, a handful of safeties. I know it for sure in this episode that we're going to say coming downhill how confident they are how comfortable they are coming downhill as a football player they're not as comfortable backing up or with their back to the ball brandon joseph is more comfortable shuffling side to side or retreating backwards than he is moving forward when he's moving forward it, it's it's so shocking to me how bad of pursuit angles he had at times i'm like man you you are so good at evaluating space you've put yourself in such great positions to get takeaways and get it plays on the ball down the field and all that stuff and it, it right now it does not translate to pursuit angles to ball carriers run defense towards the line of scrimmage so those are that, those are two big areas that uh I, I have a lot of concern with and then overall kind of as i watched his total tape 
I don't know if he's the athlete everybody thinks. Well, I don't think he is. That's an issue. And when you are a free safety type, okay, so he's playing more towards the field. They're playing him as the free safety most of the time. If they're playing two high shells and one safety is rotating down, it is most likely not going to be Joseph. He is going to be that deep safety in cover three, sometimes in cover one, depending on what they're playing. He knows how to position himself well enough, but he does not have the athleticism, I think, to be a consistent guy to make impacts on the ball when it comes to sideline play. Malik Hooker was one of the best that I have scouted while he was at Ohio State of getting from the middle of the field to the sideline. He knew how to to time things really well. He had the athleticism to get over there. I just don't think Joseph has that athleticism, and I think that shows up glaringly – when he tries to go get ball carriers is that he's just he's he he's not as fast as he thinks he is and when it comes to to pursuit i think that that shows up a lot so with him being i i i agree with you totally he is one of the few coverage type of safeties that we have that are notable enough for us to watch in summer scouting going into this season but i just think he is a liability with his athleticism to the point where I don't even know how much I could take that as a strength. Uh, I, I I think that he would probably be somebody who's better suited to play as a strong safety, but he doesn't defend the run well enough. Yeah, he, so, he, he can't play in the box, Trevor. He cannot. So it's, it, it, it's tough, and I'm interested to, to hear kind of what we talk about at the end of the podcast with some guys who just missed the list because there are players that I almost wanted to put over Joseph, but I just could not in all good consciousness because they're also missing things from their game, but... Yeah, I, I was very I was very curious to where you were going to have Joseph because I know a lot of people are really high on him. He's a notable name going uh, going into the season, but I just was not uh, wasn't his biggest fan and it sounds like you are not either. I am fascinated that we we had identical reports on him. It, so wow. that may it just makes him the classic at least for you and I, maybe not for everyone else out there. Uh, clearly not for everyone else. I've seen him ranked very high. Mm-hmm. Um he was the guy of this group that I walked away disappointed. And there's always one because we live in the draft world. I see people tweeting, talking, posting, this, that, this. Um, and I do think he's going to a program that he has a chance to greatly improve because of how well the leader, how much I uh, respect and, and really like the leader of that program and Marcus Freeman and the oh, defensive yeah. staff they have. But what he is today as we do this in summer you and i saw eye to eye eye to eye so whoever whoever your fourth guy is i I, whoever your fourth player is we might have the same exact top five or it might be different it depends on what what you're doing here at number four we might have the same top three i think number four i am i did go off the rails because this player has only started five games he's played a lot but he's only started five games at safety and that's rj moton from michigan oh okay at number four Oh, so, I know who's in my top five who you don't have. You coward. <laughs> coward? You coward. I don't know if you do. I don't know. It might not be what you're thinking. Anyway, okay. RJ Moen. Right. Man, maybe my favorite background story of the safeties. He was a legit baseball prospect in high school in this great, lovely state of New Jersey. And when I say legit, I mean this dude hit weight as a junior in 2019. He was getting a hit more than half the time in his at-bats. Elite. Uh, he hit with power. He can run. I believe he pitched. He won a championship in high school. Where he was so good in high school that I'm of the belief of what I've read that 
for those that aren't baseball fans in 2020 because of the pandemic when the mlb draft is usually like 40 rounds long for that year they condensed it to five rounds completely changed the script of trajectory leaves a lot of guys a lot more guys going to play college baseball all those things where a dude like this when your draft goes from you know 35 40 rounds to five you might not get drafted anymore and so his after all of that he chose one of the reasons he chose to go to michigan it sounds like harbaugh was very um excited about the idea of him being a dual sport athlete playing on michigan's baseball team a good program and playing for the football team i don't know what happened after that but he's not playing baseball he is committed to being a full-time football player he's a impact safety for this michigan team and boy is he a, a house six foot 223 pounds this dude is large muscle, large large i posted a clip on my twitter feed of him coming downhill he starts off not even in the field of vision and a tight end thinks he's going to block him and he sends this tight end to the moon and then makes the tackle wait okay now i'm now i'm, I'm go i'm literally going to twitter right bro now. i freeze framed it to show when he comes into the screen and who he is and what he he sends this tight end like 10 yards backwards and then makes the tackle on the running back so rj moton uh plays with an edge he has no problem mixing it up and run support yeah welcome to the rj moton experience he, <laughs> it was pretty wild this dude poor tight end dude launch this poor tight end came to wisconsin thought he was about to beef up and just be an absolute house as an inline player and number six comes in from the outside of the screen and basically puts him off scholarship with this hit yeah it was pretty what? wild it was pretty wild to see. And, you know, obviously Michigan's had a lot of talent in that DB room where him starting five games and, and playing a lot of special teams and playing a lot of different roles can't stop didn't scare me. RJ basically told yeah. this guy to go play in the Pac-12 after this hit. It kind of made me laugh because when you look at the angle he took God downhill, damn. he could have kind of been greasy like around him. He could have just slid around him and made the tackle. But no, instead, absolutely not. Instead, he just... He ended his life and then made the tackle. So awesome play. And, and he, this is how he plays. He, he comes downhill with force. He moves really well for a near 225 pounder in coverage. To me, he's this hybrid player that the NFL loves that can cover in a pinch when you need him to up the seam, can play nasty in the box, can easily carry 225 pounds of just pure, once again, whey protein muscle. And uh, I'm a big fan and think he fits that brand of Michigan football uh, of what we've seen from their prospects recently. So he was my guy that is my biggest projection going into this year, and I, I have big expectations. I didn't watch him. I didn't get to him uh, outside of watching the one highlight, which is all I need to redo yeah, my rankings First and rounder. put him at number one. <laughs> <laughs> at number one. All right, so who I have at number four. I, this is a little – This I, I don't know if this You're, is – Why are you hung up? I don't know if this is spicy or not. I don't oh, know if boy. this is spicy. Here it goes. I have Jordan Battle at four. Uh, yeah, it's low for me, but okay. I mean, right. I, I don't think you're, I don't think you need to be put in prison okay. at this moment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm not calling the feds right now. Okay. All right. So Jordan Battle, Alabama safety, six foot one, 210 pounds. All right. It's been starting for a while. If you go back a little bit further, some background information on him. Four-star safety from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Played at the St. Thomas Aquinas High School, one of the best football yeah, programs 
in the country, was originally committed to Ohio State, did not know this, before flipping his commitment over to Alabama, contributed a little bit as a freshman, and then earned a starting role as the starting strong safety as a sophomore. Something else uh, that, I, that I learned about him just from doing research, and I was watching him at SEC Media Days because he was one of the uh, players that Nick Saban chose to bring to SEC Media Days this year. He seems to have an awesome personality, man. It seems like all the players who talk about Jordan Battle love him, that he's got a super outgoing personality. He's a guy who's always trying to crack jokes, always trying to make people smile. They said he's a big dancer in the locker room, so he's got, he's just like a confident dude, and he's a fun-loving dude no matter what. But when he puts on the helmet, when you watch him on the field, I mean, he's a bad man, man. Like, he can hit you, and he can absolutely bring the wood at what he is doing. Some PFF stats. On over 1,335 career coverage snaps, so he's got a lot going into this season. He has allowed a grand total of just 474 yards with five picks and eight pass breakups. 88 overall defensive grade in 2021. And Connor, we talked about this before we hit the record button. You finished his eval last year. Yeah. And I would have done the same thing if I was doing it as early as you were because I'd have told you Jordan Battle's absolutely going to the NFL. And here he is back uh, back with Alabama. You know, I wonder... <sighs> I read the quotes of him at SEC Media Days, and he's like, yeah, I came back because I want to win a national title. I want to bring the national championship back to Alabama before I leave. And that's a, that, that, that is a good answer. Obviously, if you're a Tide fan, that's something that you want to hear, and that's cool to hear. I wonder if he did not get the grade that they that, that he wanted to get from the NFL Draft Advisory Board. I should have asked I think that's what somebody. I should have texted some people about this before this show because I, I had a round two grade on him. To be transparent, I, I had Jordan so, Battle going yeah, in the I, second round. I would have um, as well. I think he's a really good power profile, strong safety. I do, and I yeah. think that if you if you're looking for him to be like a robber zone defender or cover some bigger tight ends out of the slot, he can do that. Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't. I do not think that he's going to be a free safety type for you, but if I just kind of go off his strength and weaknesses here that I have strong safety type of player who is great when he can keep things in front of him. Very confident when that is the case, excellent feel for baiting quarterbacks as a robber coming out of two high shells, someplace that he is also most comfortable with. I think he's really great off the blitz when attacking the line of scrimmage, either as a delayed blitz up the middle between the tackles or sometimes coming around the edge as well. Weakness, not as disciplined or relentless as a tackler as you would want to see. Like sometimes he could definitely lay the boom, but there were a couple of times where I was watching him and there was a little bit of a gang tackle in front of him and he's like letting up and he's like, like well, just letting the gang tackle kind of do their thing. It's like, okay, well some safeties, they're like hungry for that physicality, right? They want to finish the play. They want to get in on that tackle. Sometimes I saw Jordan battle, not exactly get in on that. Uh, he's held, he, um, oh shoot, um, lost my place here. Missed tackles are not egregious, but he could definitely yeah. clean that up. Uh, I don't want him as a free safety. You want him more of a strong safety type. And just when I looked at his profile, I don't know how much more Jordan Battle is going to do this year that's really going to help his stock outside of if he gets. I'm hesitant to use the word lucky because I don't want to make it seem like it's all luck, but if he gets lucky and gets a handful of interceptions this year, then all of a sudden he gets this ball Hawk label, right place, right time, kind of a thing, getting that kind of production for takeaways. Maybe that could vault him into the back end of the first round. We might end up seeing that from him, but honestly, I thought he was a really great prospect last year. I would have loved to pick him at the early part portion of day two last year. And so I wonder how much is left in the tank and how much higher he could go in the NFL draft with another year at Alabama. I liked him a lot. I'll get to him in a little bit, and I'll be a little bit uh, brief because I thought you highlighted the player really, really well. And I do wonder what the advisory board had to say about him 
because it yeah i thought he was i thought he was going to be playing preseason games this time of year and I, I, thought, I thought i thought he was going to be starting I, I looked at him and said you know him and Br- and brisker who had a by the way gotta shout him out he had a game wrecking debut for the chicago bears uh it's good to see him healthy and and wreaking havoc at the safety position again I thought him and Brisker were those day two safeties last year that, that could come in and, and play a lot of roles for you. So I'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, number three for me is somebody that I talked a, a lot about this time last year. I remember doing radio down down for Arkansas, um, watching this guy early in the year and circling him with a red pen. Like, this is a player you got to watch week after week. And unfortunately, he had a season-ending injury and some ups and downs because he was so good. So good as a redshirt freshman two years ago. That's Jalen Catalan. Okay, and... this is the player that I thought you weren't going to have in your top five. Oh, no, absolutely coward. not. Okay. I freaking love Jalen Catalan. So, so, there's a, so there's a player in my top I told two. you you wouldn't get it. Because I also have Jalen Catalan at number three. Okay, wow. Same he's on both five and three. How about that? The player that uh, I think I have at number two you don't have in your top five. Probably. And I watched him. But, uh... So, <laughs> All right. Okay. So, Catalan is just compact like just shrunk down he's awesome dude and just flies around he is a go-kart with a jetpack on it i mean this dude flies around he can make plays on the ball he can make plays against the run he can wipe out blockers on screens i don't care that he's probably honestly five nine let's be real he's probably five nine he's probably not five ten i don't know if he'll play at 200 pounds but He'll hit he's you got like a, a goddamn locomotive, so I don't care what the I don't care what the height says. He is that compact boxer, and the production that 2020 redshirt freshman season says it all. I mean, nine starts at strong safety, about a hundred tackles, um, three interceptions, broke up another four passes, forced two fumbles, recovered a fumble, played special teams. He just, you know, and they have a note in his bio. Um, that he's the first SEC freshman since Tennessee's Eric Berry to post at least 86 tackles with three picks. And that's the vibe on the field that he gives you when you watch Eric, when he's healthy. I know he had a tough one last year, mm. but when, when you really think back to that version of Eric Berry, you would turn on the TV and you'd watch a safe. You'd go, who is the safety that I can't take my eyes off of and is forcing his way onto the broadcast film all the time. And that's Catalan. That's what he, he just forces his way into the spotlight of games the speed he plays at, the intensity he plays at, the recognition skills. Man, I, I felt that way at times about guys like Buda Baker, Antoine Winfield Jr., and that's how I feel about Catalan, where it's just, to me, I have no questions about the talent. I think he can play, get play a little in the slot for you. I think he can play a little free, strong. A lot of different roles where you could do at the NFL level. I just need him to be healthy, Trevor. I'd have Jalen Catalan number two in this class if it would not be for the injury history. Because the injury history goes beyond just him missing games last year. It's his play style. Let's be honest. He So this is a guy who plays violently, right? And and he is a player who makes a name off of physicality, meeting you at the catch point, meeting you in the hole, meeting you in the flat, and just imposing his will, using momentum to his advantage and using his body almost as a wrecking ball to stop you on every single play. Knowing that, you love to watch that on the tape, but if you were a team drafting Jalen Catalan, he tore his ACL in his senior season in high school. He had shoulder surgery his redshirt freshman year. 
He had a broken hand last year, and he had a torn labrum last year. It's it's like Bob Sanders at that point. We're you know we're I mean? we are we are four years in for Jalen Catalan right now, and he's got serious wear and tear. He already has a major knee injury. He's got two shoulder surgeries. The broken hand, I don't really care about. The broken hand is a, it's a broken hand. The bone will heal. That's fine. I don't really care about yeah, that. We've all broken our hands. But I care the most about the knee injury, even though it happened a couple of years ago. It still happened. And the shoulder surgeries, most notably tearing his labrum last season. That's tough for a player who makes his name off of physicality. And I, I, I love this dude. He is one of my favorite players to watch in this class. He was one of my favorite players going into last year's class. I, I'm with you, dude. Fully healthy Jalen Catalan year, and we're talking about a top 50 player, I think. That's that's the type of athlete. That's the caliber player that we're talking about. Just an impact dude. Strength and weakness is real quick on him. You hit it. You hit on a lot of them. Very good downhill athlete. When he triggers the ball carriers, he does it with both speed and power. Excellent run defender is not afraid to do the dirty work, throwing his body into blockers in order to set up free tacklers uh, or guys who are just coming to the ball carrier at other angles. Playmaking ball skills, legit playmaking ball skills when he meets the ball at the catch point in the air. The weaknesses, he's got the free safety label. So some people might think, okay, well, he could bring in that free safety ability. That's not really how Arkansas plays. Arkansas played more than half of their defensive snaps in single high alignment, either in cover one or cover three. They played more cover three, but they really had Catalan as that single high free safety not to be that last line of coverage defense, but more of to allow him to truly see the entire field, knowing how quickly he can gain ground to meet a pass at the catch point or to meet a ball carrier not too far from when they're past the line of scrimmage. And that's really that kind of free safety label that he played. So it wasn't that true rangy coverage free safety. It was more of a, this guy's going to be on the back end of our defense. We're going to let him, we're going to play him super deep and we're going to let him trigger everything downhill. Um, Injury history. Last note I have: injury history is just bad, man. It's tough. It's really yeah, tough. This yeah. would be that. This would be my number two safety in this class. It's a player that I've liked for a long time, but the injury history was there for him the year before, and uh, certainly now it's 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 kind of at the forefront as well. So it's a damn shame. Rooting for a big bounce back year, and, and that whole timeline you just read just reminded me of like the NFL career of Bob Sanders, a guy that was five eight, probably played around two hundred pounds. You could not miss everybody's him on the screen. favorite player. Everybody's, everybody's favorite, favorite player. But man, the laundry list of injuries just got the best of him. Yep. And Catalan's going through that in college right now. Not on that extent. I don't want to be that like that much hyperbole. But I don't remember. I don't remember Bob Sanders' injury history going into the NFL. That's a good point. Uh, but his play style matched what happened. All right. So number two, and I'll be brief here because I want to get to your number two. And you already you already went over this guy, Jordan Battle, somebody that I liked last year. Um, Tough and tested in coverage with very good eyes, I thought, on the back end. He did have 389 snaps at free safety last year, 258 in the slot, 262 in the box in 2021. They just use him everywhere. I agree with you, Trevor. I don't think he's Jesse Bates on the back end, um, but I think he's capable. But I do wonder, I I don't see that premium free safety athlete, right? Like, right. I think he, he's going right. to run in the four fives kind of player, like mid four fives kind of player. Uh, strong tackler, you mentioned it, didn't. He missed a few here and there, but pretty reliable overall tackling. Uh, I thought he was a strong tackler both after the catch and against the run, so he had no problem breaking down against running backs or diagnosing where the ball is going in the pass play and getting there and making the tackle, stopping the play. Competes at the catch point, 
And there's a couple of times where I saw him really diagnose where the quarterback was going pre-snap, where he didn't get there off of athleticism. He got there off of intelligence. And I go back to scouting Xavier McKinney for Alabama. They ask so much of their DBs on the back end that handle sure. the workload that a guy like Battle handled that they are about as mentally sharp as any defensive player coming into the NFL that you can ask for. So I, I'm i with you that Battle might not really have a ceiling to tap into at this point. I kind of think he just is who he is, but he's a really good player that I project as a starter uh, that can get by at free safety in a pinch at the NFL level, but you do like him in more of a traditional strong safety hybrid slot kind of role. I, I probably did not give enough credit to how smart of a player Jordan Battle is because I remember watching him just as a sophomore and how he was able to read and react to what was going on a lot around the line of scrimmage and be very disciplined in his run lanes and where he needed to be to help out the team, especially when coming, coming downhill and playing the way that he does best. And uh, that is just as much of a mental ace of his game as physicality is. So I, I wanted to make sure that I highlighted that there as well, because that's something that I've always liked about Jordan battle. Number two on my list is his teammate. And it's somebody who you don't have in your top five. It's Brian branch, who is a, a safety, but also just this versatile defensive piece, six feet tall, 190 pounds. Dude. We've talked about pound for pound strongest guy before, as we've kind yep. of going through you some of these classes. Up. Holy smokes, this dude is he he brings that to the table, man. About as reliable of a tackler as they come. I'll read his background because I think that the background's definitely important for him. Four star safety from Fayetteville, Georgia. Uh, played safety and wide receiver special teams for Sandy Creek High School when he was uh, at that level. Um, as a junior, he was an all county player. And as a senior, he was the Georgia 5A Ironman of the Year, which is given to the league's top two-way player, the guy who plays both on offense and defense. Chose Alabama over UGA and LSU. Dude, they had him playing everywhere. He played every single position in Alabama's secondary last year, which, dude, think about, think about how reliable, how disciplined, how smart you have to be to play all five positions in Nick Saban's backfield. Like Nick Saban ain't putting up with shit. If you miss an assignment, you're off the field. Like not that he doesn't allow guys oh, yeah. to grow, but if you are missing assignments, you're not going to play. And this guy not only continued to diversify the positions that he was able to play, he gained the trust and the reliability and the discipline to be able to play all of them. Or at least it certainly seemed that with the way that he was, uh, that he was deployed through the first several games of last year, he and Malachi Moore rotated between that star, which is that nickel position or the money backer, which is that, uh, that dime position when they go into, um, when they go into nickel and dime look. So it's that kind of that, that, player who's playing in the secondary but he's towards the line of scrimmage he can do a lot of different things for you you let him play in space you let him be a playmaker um late in the season he definitely took over branch played a lot more as the team's nickel corner so that's kind of where he found his home which is why it was weird okay we're doing brian branch in the corner episode yeah, we're doing the safety episode so i just had him for the safety episode here he said he models his game after tyron matthew and, and troy palomalu and uh I get the Troy Polamalu part because this dude does not miss tackles, man. He does not miss. He has one missed tackle in his college career. One. He had zero missed tackles last year. He played 427 snaps from the slot, 128 as a strong safety, 
23 as a boundary corner, and then 50 snaps as a free safety. Playing all of those positions, he got himself an 88-point run run defense grade. Just nuts. This guy is as reliable as they come in that area. Strength and weaknesses for him. Screen pass destroyer. Okay, that is why they love this guy near the line of scrimmage because if the the team that they're going up against, if they're playing quick game at all whatsoever – Brian Branch is messing you up. He is throwing a wrench in that entire thing, either in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage uh, once they get to the sideline. He is strong as an ox. Pound for pound might be the strongest player in this class. Very effective uh, as a blitzer, both off the edge and delayed up the middle. Smart defensive back with a wealth of experience at many different spots, about as reliable as they're going to come as a tackler. Weaknesses, and this is where I could understand the argument of jack-of-all-trades, master of none, worried about what position he might be in because he's played the most from the slot. But he might not have cornerback explosiveness. He might not have that cornerback athleticism to be able to play full-time as a slot defender, which would be really great for him. When he's asked to play in coverage out of the slot, he's often lined up way off the line of scrimmage with outside leverage to kind of funnel guys more towards the play, towards where the safeties are, towards where the linebackers are. I think that is for a reason, and I think it's because he he is best when he has help in that regard. Not as confident in his back pedal with his back to the ball as he is when he's coming downhill. And so there are a handful of things that I think he certainly needs to work on in his game when it comes to being more comfortable with his back to the ball. I don't know how much he can work on his athleticism. Maybe that's something that I'm looking a little bit too much into. Maybe that's the alignment. Maybe that's the technique they would be playing him in anyways. Maybe I just kind of need to see it more. But I do have a little bit of athletic concerns with Branch playing as a full-time safety slash nickel defender hybrid player. If you want him to play in the slot, it only gets more difficult when you get to the NFL. So those are my overall thoughts. But overall, man, Got to praise the guy for having the discipline, having the intelligence, all of that to be able to play all five positions on an Alabama defense. That's incredibly difficult to do. So I think he's the only one in your top five that didn't make my top five. And I just, I really, Trevor, I really struggled with him basically being a linebacker playing corner. And maybe I need to believe in a more creative DC or believe in this guy's development, which I could easily you know, watch him in an expanded role this year. He had four about 400 snaps in the slot last year. So you you nailed it. Like, we didn't know, is this guy on the corner show? Is this guy on the safety show? It makes sense to have him on the safety show because the second thing in my notes after the snap count in the slot was he has the demeanor of a 90s safety. That's like that's what he plays like. <laughs> like he needs He just he needs the neck roll. We got to get this dude playing with a neck roll. He he loves to come flying downhill against the runner as a blitzer. And it's what he's best at. He really is. I don't know if he can cover as a corner. I really and I I really don't know. And some of the things that scared me were got beat down the field against Miami for a long touchdown. Uh got devoured by Texas AM in coverage, specifically on a long touchdown, but a couple of plays. And there's one coverage play in the slot against Auburn where he basically tried to tackle the wide receiver and the guy still caught the ball for a touchdown. And it's when I look at that, I know it's probably wrong to pick on three coverage plays, but I looked at those things and go, man, he blitzes and hits like a truck and he flies downhill. He's so good against the run. Like you said, he's a great tackler. 
I, I don't know. And now I believe he's six foot about 193. Mm-hmm. So he's not small. Maybe he just needs to be a true traditional strong safety. I think that the bad reps and coverage in the slot is when Alabama did what, you know, you hinted at a lot of him passing off and he, and you're 100% right. When they asked him to go one-on-one and run down the field or across the field with somebody, it, it got kind of scary. So my takeaway, I just don't think he's a corner. I don't think he's a corner, and they played him like a corner. I don't think he can cover like a corner. And obviously, like I brought that up as well. So I I do agree with you in a lot of that. But like for the, like the Miami play that you brought up, where he gets beat for a touchdown, he's he's basically right there with the dude. He just kind of misses the ball, and so it, totally. it, it, it it was those it was those reps where, and there's another one. Ah, I can't remember if it was against Arkansas or Auburn where. He sees a play and he's able to put his foot in the ground. He's able to cut in on it and he Auburn. gets the pass broke broken up. But like it almost could have been a pick six. But it's like it's it's the it is those plays that kind of wrote me back in because when I sure. watched film originally, I I'm, I'm with you and I brought it up as well. Like I'm I'm worried a little bit about the overall athleticism. But then there are those things where it's like, okay, is it right there for him? Like, is there something still left in the tank? Can we get a little bit of that? And I think this year certainly with a microscope on him as a draft eligible prospect, we're going to see a lot more of that. And, and it, we're either going to get the questions answered in a good way or a bad way. So I had him at number two, uh, basically out of respect for, for how versatile this guy is in a saving defense, but uh, go ahead introduce uh, who I'm pretty damn confident. We both oh. have at number one here on this list. We have a stud in this safety class. Um, I mean, a, a guy that just wrecks the game, looks the part, walks the walk, talks the talk. He's got it all in Antonio Johnson from Texas yep. A&M. Yep. I mean, I don't know what there is to say because you don't even need to watch a lot of him. To re- he's 6'3", 190. He's got arms down to the ground. He's got that Justin Simmons, you know, long body build for coverage. Ah, 581 snaps in the slot, 126 in the box in 2021. It sounds like A&M, since he's – one of the best players in the country, honestly, right now on the defensive side of the ball is open to playing him as an actual safety a little more this year than just a slot guy. So I read that as well. And then I went and I listened to an interview that he did actually yesterday. So it was a, it was a brand new interview that he put out. He was a guest on a podcast and somebody asked him that very question. And uh, I think, I think it was just like uh Texas Aggies. I think it was just like the Texas Aggies podcast. And he said that they'll play him in plenty of different spots, but he's like, I'm still, I'm going to play nickel. Like I'm, I'm still going to play as a nickel defender. So, so I was tripped up because after I read that from the spring, I saw from an A&M reporter and I apologize. I don't remember the name off the top of my head reporting from practice that week that he was in the slot. Yeah. So he's going to play mostly in the slot. Either way, this dude is awesome on yes. the football field. Correct. Slot, Correct. safety, box, doesn't matter. Uh, Long frame, he covers a ton of ground. He gets to places at a different pace than your traditional DB with these long galloping strides. Trevor, he devours screens. He will run through blockers. He will get there before the ball gets there. He gets there when the ball gets there, makes the tackle for a massive hit. Ultra fast trigger on throws in the flats or quick outs. And he doesn't come with, you know, let me break down and wrap up and He's there so fast that he demoralizes targets. He he just destroys them. I've seen him injure guys, and it's nothing dirty. He just plays so fast and so hard, and he's there before the ball gets there that he times up these hits. 
he's he's a legit, legit defensive back wherever you want to play him because I didn't see a weakness in his game right now. He could tackle, he can run, he can cover, he can diagnose. Um, you know, it sounds I even had somebody, it sounds like that boots on the ground tweet at me right away when I tweeted a clip him, like, oh, he's a great kid too. Like just this is the total package of this safety class, this guy. And uh he 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 has all the makings of a first round pick at the position. The only thing really standing in his way that's kind of missing on his profile is ball production. That's about it. He's got one interception in his college career. And it's look, if you're, if you're playing as a shutdown player, sometimes you just don't get a lot of opportunities yeah. to go get interceptions. So there's a lot more and there's a lot more that you want to base on the tape and the reps than simply looking at the lack of ball production. But I would, I'd love to see him get himself three interceptions this upcoming year, right? If we get three interceptions from Antonio Johnson. Done. He's going to be, he's going to be a first round pick. You can wrap it up. It's over. You know, I think that people probably just want to check that box with the ball skills. Cause I do think he has good ball skills. That one interception is a really nice interception. Uh, and there was another dropped one that he had. Oh, was it the Missouri game? I think it was the Missouri he did, game. He did drop one. Did he had it? He had a drop one, but he missed time to jump. And you could say, like, he almost, he was, he would put himself right in position. He just mistimed his yep. own jump and it just kind of, it, it, it floated a little bit more on him. And that's why he wasn't able to haul it in. But you're right. I mean, the build alone puts him in a rare category and he's fantastic to watch. Earned a 87.4 overall grade last year, limited his 62 targets last season to a grand total of just 228 yards given up. That comes out to only 3.7 yards per target when he is in coverage, which is really, really impressive, especially seeing as how you got to judge him mainly as a nickel defender, not just as a safety kind of a guy. Elite build at six foot three, six foot four, 195 pounds. He can match up against the bigger tight ends and wide receivers with his size, but he can also keep up with smaller wide receivers due to his athleticism. Didn't play a ton of press man coverage, but I liked what I saw from the reps. Uh, it was mainly goal line stuff. Like when I filtered the tape, because we could do this on ultimate humble brag. When I filtered the it's tape to sick. it is sick. <laughs> uh, to just his press reps, a lot of it came on the goal line. Like you could tell they didn't want to do this with a lot of their players across the board on a regular basis. But when he played off the line of scrimmage, I thought he was good. I thought he was patient. I thought he reacted to things really well in a limited amount of space. And so I liked what I saw there. Strong, reliable player who's good in run defense. The only real negative i have is the obvious natural one sometimes when he's flipping his hips he's just got a lot of hips to flip he's six foot three six foot four so he's a bigger defensive back so it's a little bit slower than it would be some other players that doesn't show up nearly as much when he's going up against tight ends in the slot but if you've got smaller slot wide receivers or you know the offense is just trying to mess with you a little bit maybe send a, a running back out of the backfield He's got a little bit more shiftiness to him. Yeah, it can kind of show up that he's a little bit lacking with flipping his hips, but he makes up for it when that foot goes in the ground, man. When his hips get pointed in the right direction, I was shocked at how explosive this dude was coming out of his stance when he can when he can put that foot in the ground and go towards the ball carrier or the catch point or whatever it is. Antonio Johnson's awesome. He was one of the highest graded defensive backs that we had in college football at PFF. And for good reason, I think he's got the grades. I think he's got the, the talent really. Let's just get some ball production, man. And we're going to see this dude in the first round. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's really nothing else to say. I just, when I turned on his film, 
I, I'll be honest. Maybe I'm naive. I didn't know we had this kind of player in this year's safety class. Like, I knew about, like, Bijan Robinson at running back, right? Like, I, I knew about the top dogs at wide receiver and even some of the O-line guys and, and Jalen Carter. Like, when Trevor, when we sat down a couple days in advance to do all the tape study for these groups, I always knew when there was a dude. I didn't know he was this good. Mm-hmm. And I watched a ton and of AM's defense because they have a million NFL players, but right. I just was it was it was a reminder of just how different he is compared to the rest of them. Uh who else you want to give a shout out to before we get out of here? Oh, we there were here. a couple. Well, you went over Branch, who yep. could easily have been, you know, number five for me. He he's a really good football player. I just really struggle with what he is at the moment right now. There was a couple other guys I watched that I wanted to get to. I watched JL Skinner from Boise State. Yes, I saw him? him as well. I think that might be the only other guy that I watched. Dude, six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. He has that like Isaiah Simmons out he there look. Wants to hurt people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought he'd play with a little more edge. Man yeah. comes down with reckless abandon. All right, little background on him. He's Boise State safety. Three-star safety from San Diego, California. Weighed just 190 pounds as a recruit when he went to Boise State. Now about 40 pounds heavier. Weighs about 220 pounds. He's played nearly every defensive position throughout his football career. Started playing defensive end. This is back when he was in like middle school, high school. Played defensive end. Then he played linebacker. Now he plays safety. Um, also played receiver and running back at high school as well. So the dude's just, he's played so much football. He's played so many different positions. This is a quote from him which is just going to be hilarious because it's exactly how he plays. Cam Chancellor, that's my favorite safety of all time. I'm a really so, big fan of his. So ideal. I've always been. Uh, so I really, try, I really try to take aspects of Chancellor's game, like his physicality, the way he played, the way he used to always come downfield into the box, and I uh, try to take it all from the best in cam chancellor uh devin jackson did the interview for that so i want to give a, a shout out to devin oh, devin does a uh, great job devin does does an awesome job and go read his work he put out a big feature on um on uh, on skinner which was awesome to read but that's where i got that quote from uh, he's i <laughs> i wrote this in his scouting report you ready for this zero is the number on his jersey to represent the amount of uh than the F word uh, that he gives or the amount of prisoners that he takes on any given play. Because that, that is, just, is so perfect. I have that in the scouting report and I had to, because it just, it, uh, it, it, it talks about how he plays so much. So obviously just this big physical dude can cover a lot of ground really, really sets the tone with, with, with how he hits people and, and how physical he wants to be when he's coming downhill. The Dylan Gabriel hit at the goal line is the one that just stands out to me is like, holy cow, like this dude is about the game of football and the, the physical violence that it takes to play it at a really high level. Weaknesses, misses tackles way too often, man. Way too often. I mean, he is setting up for the massive hit every That's time it. and you get ball carriers who put one foot in the ground and give him a little one cut. And sometimes he's just swinging at air, but uh, he just loses too much technique gets to, gets to be, he needs to be a lot more disciplined when he's going in at ball carries. It's not always just about knocking a guy senseless. Sometimes you just got to get him on the ground. So I think that that's the biggest area of his game that I think that he's got to clean up before we get him potentially into that top five category. But there's a lot to like about him with the size and the other uh, mentality that he plays with. Yeah, so with Skinner, I've heard that um, he's even gotten some bigger preseason grades for the senior class than Jordan Battle. So there's um, a couple things with him. So he's gotten some bigger grades than a, a household name like Battle. He's a verified six four and an eighth. So he's gigantic. It's not a fake height. He's legitimately over six foot feet, uh, four inches tall. 
He weighs about 210, 215, and he's expected to run around a 4440. So this dude is pretty freakish, honestly, for a guy that was a former three-star. Uh, that's some verified stuff for NFL scouting database purposes. So, I mean, man, long arms, too. It, it, he's oh, somebody he's that, that I love that he loves Cam Chancellor because that's who he should be molding his game after. 100%. Yes. He's in the right direction. He's looking in the right that's direction. It. No doubt about it. All right, there we go. That's safeties. That's Dude, that's like that's a 2023 draft. Summer scouting in the books, brother. We're done. We could do the draft today if we wanted to. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five no, players. You know each. what's going to be really funny, and I love to do this every single year. Those way look too back. early, those way too early mock drafts that you see, and then you look back at like how close they actually like kind of were a year later to what actually happened and how much changed. So we're gonna have we're gonna have our our mock draft that we're gonna do on this show before week one of the regular season, and we will keep it, we will archive it, and we will look back and see how just perfectly right all thirty two of those selections were when it comes to draft night. But this has been fun, man. Really enjoy summer scouting. It's truly an awesome part of the football calendar. It's where we get into the nitty gritty of what we all love with football and the draft. Big shout out to all you guys who listen to us during the summer i i know that yeah summer is a good time to get away sometimes you're not nearly in, as much into your podcast routine sometimes you're looking to step away from the from from football a little bit but uh to everybody who listened to us throughout the summer whether it was the mock draft mondays whether it was the summer scouting thank you so much thank you thank you thank you it's a brand new podcast that we're getting off the ground and to just have the interaction that we did with so many people throughout this summer scouting series, like, Hey, love that you gave this guy a shout out. Hey, I watch this guy too. He's fantastic. D getting to do that and hear those things all summer is what makes this project uh, so much fun. So I wanted to give a shout out to everybody who rocked with us all summer long during summer scouting. Cause it's been a blast for us. Dude. Well said. It really is. It's, it's notable when you have people that are just as dedicated to the engagement and investment with the show in June, July, early August, then they, as they are in November or March and, and those things. So we notice, uh, we can't thank you enough. It has been a blast. This has been, you know, totally new for me. I've never podcasted about, but I haven't podcasted to this extent about players in a draft class this early. We dabbled in it, uh, on, on my old show BR, but this was, I think we went, honestly, I really think we went above and beyond with our outline of this class, and we'll see what it looks like with the top 50. And, dude, the Twitter account that posts our top fives every week, the college football fans that might not even listen to the show, that engage, it's unbelievable. It's People cool. are reacting to top five linebackers it's with, cool. like, a million comments. So it's it's, cool. it's super cool, man. It's super cool. When we started this podcast, we hoped that it would be a great way to bring people together who love the draft, love college football, love the NFL. And uh, you guys, you you uh, you OG sex addicts are are really setting the table uh, for what is uh, a really good family member of this podcast and everybody else who hopefully joins it because I'd love to make the family as big as possible. Monday, Monday, we doing the big board. You want to do it on Monday? We're doing the big board Monday. On Monday, I'm gonna have now that we have every single position of summer scouting in the books. We have our rankings. I'm gonna come to the table with my big board. Connor's going to come to the table with his. We won't go through every pick of each of our big boards, but you'll learn plenty about it as we build the show's big board. So we will build NFLSE's top 50 draft prospects 
going into the 2022 NFL and college football season. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. I've never done anything like that before. Yeah, it's going to so be a bit of be, a mess in a good way. Oh, it's going to be a, it's going to be beautifully chaotic. Is probably the, the best way to put it there. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, guys, so much for listening. I'm Trevor Sikma. That is Connor Rogers. We'll see you guys on Monday. Thanks for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. 